It's time for another Rich in Relationship. And we are talking about barriers. We're talking about the barriers to intimacy and resilience and why those two things together. We're talking about the barriers to resilience and intimacy because you can't build resilience without some intimacy. And intimacy shares a lot of the same necessary footing in terms of creation, maintenance, and expansion as resilience does. So let's talk first about what are these two things. Intimacy is the experience of being close to another human being, of feeling trust and safety, of knowing that you're cared for, of having clear lines of communication uh, in that sphere of trust, caring, communication, honesty, let's not forget honesty, and also knowledge of oneself and the other person. That's the environment that intimacy really blossoms in and grows in. And it takes constantly developing those five areas to build intimacy. Intimacy isn't just something that you achieve. It's something that's ongoing and developmental. And resilience, very similarly, resilience is the quality of being able to bounce back, of having the inner strength to take what would be a liability for another human being and turning it into an asset in one's life. And similar to intimacy, Resilience requires self-knowledge and self-awareness. Resilience requires a relationship with another human being that has intimacy in it as a quality. And we can talk about that more. I'm just laying that out as a concept though, initially before, we start, before I start debating it, because I could start debating it. Resilience requires a knowledge of our unique, what makes us unique, what are our unique qualities, our family, our background? And in that way, it's similar to intimacy because intimacy also requires knowledge of those things for ourselves and for the other person. Resilience requires knowing our unique place and mission in the world, what we're here for, the difference that we were born to make in some way because we're all unique and special and we all make a unique difference in some way. Now, intimacy has some of that present in it because in an intimate relationship, two people can be supporting each other in that, but it's not necessarily part of intimacy. This is where there's a slight difference. And resilience has habits, right? It, 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 there are habits that are built around resilience and developing resilience. And we can talk about what those habits are more, but in a nutshell, the kind of habits we're talking about are um, self-care habits. We're talking about family traditions. Think of traditions as habits, things that occur regularly that reinforce values and reinforce principles. Intimacy very often involves shared values and shared principles. That's part of what makes it feel safe. So there's a lot of overlap between these, except resilience is a quality that is developed in an individual or in a couple or in an organization or in a culture even. Whereas intimacy is something that occurs between two people. Uh, and 
I guess we can be intimate with ourselves also. I'm just kind of thinking this through, but often we don't interpret it that way. So let's just stick with that. And so that's the real distinction there. All right, so what are some of the barriers here? If the, sh if the shared quality is self-knowledge and self-awareness, and honest honesty is key to that, clearly dishonesty is going to be a large barrier to developing intimacy and developing resilience. And what's tricky about this is, let's go on the extreme end of the scale. If we're talking about someone who's a narcissist, narcissists are totally focused on themselves, but narcissists believe that they're always focused on the well-being of others. And there's a form of dishonesty happening there. A narcissist will say they want to help their children, for example, but they always want to help their children in ways that benefits them. And they'll say they want the well-being of their children, but they're focused on what well-being is, is always going to be what benefits them. And so there's a form of dishonesty present there. And the point of this is that most people really believe that they are honest. Or they might say, yes, I tell little white lies. But real dishonesty happens on an unconscious level, where there's a part of us, uh, when you start talking about people who have, um, have you ever had the experience where you feel like, you're sabotaging yourself. I mean, I think we've all had this experience of self-sabotage. You have a goal you're working towards and you do something that's in total contradiction to that goal. Self-sabotage is an indication of internal dishonesty on some level because there's a part of us that's sabotaging that process because it absolutely does not believe in it and we haven't acknowledged that part of ourselves. So that's what I'm talking about is there can be hidden dishonesty and when there's that hidden dishonesty, it's a red flag in the world of intimacy, right? If you're with someone and you see that kind of conflict going on, it, suddenly it doesn't feel very safe because you, you wanna believe that they're honest and in your corner and really they're with them, but they can't seem to be in their own corner. And so how can they really be in yours? And in the world of developing resilience, similarly, dishonesty can often poison communicating values. So if we're telling our children, Honesty is a really high value, but they see that there's contradiction in our lives that implies internal dishonesty in our internal dialogue, then that stands out to them. It's a red flag for them emotionally. They don't feel safe. And so if we don't feel safe, we can't have intimacy. And if we don't feel safe, it's very difficult to build resilience. Now, I've heard people argue that there are children who seem to be incredibly resilient in the worst war-torn situations where intimacy is not possible. And I would argue that at one time in their lives, they experienced some form of intimacy, some kind of connection with another person. Because part of resilience, just like intimacy, is the confidence that there's something good in humanity, some core benefit to having relationships with others, something worth moving forward to. And it's in those moments of conflict, whether it be warfare or whether it be fighting with a loved one or whether it be going through a worldwide pandemic or whether it be the dissolution of a company, there's something about going through a crisis that what part of what builds, makes that resilience work in those environments is the confidence that one day you will have that closeness, that shared, those shared values that support in moving forward. And it's very rare 
that people are show true resilience unless they have partnership and intimacy or have had partnership or intimacy in their lives. So this core knowing of ourself and honesty is really important. And as I said earlier, if th that is an ongoing, like if we do a lot of personal work and then we stop, that's gonna be a barrier to intimacy developing further. So let's talk about this in real life terms. Let's talk about this thing that happens really typically. Two people uh, fall in love, they see the best in each other, they feel like more, I feel better as an individual when I'm in the presence of the person I'm in love with than when I'm on my own because they see me as so much more than I see myself as. And it's like this amazing experience and we all love that sense of feeling in, in love. Uh, and that has a two to three year shelf life and it wears off. And so now we're into marriage and we have children and oh my God, we need to get all hands on deck because we got to focus on these kids, focus on these kids. You know what? I'm really good at cooking and making money. You're really good at cleaning and organizing and you have an income also. So let's, you know, I'll lean to my strengths, you lean to yours. And what happens is you, be, you become two workhorses instead of two people who are in an intimate relationship and the intimacy starts to drop out of the marriage and resilience stopped being well built in the marriage though resilience may be being built for the kids because the kids are seeing consistency they're seeing teamwork they're seeing values demonstrated but because the intimacy is dropping out of the marriage the, the marriage itself the, the the fuel tank for resilience is getting lower and lower and lower because it's not being invested in people are working living this parallel life thing so when that happens that's there's a self-knowledge or self-awareness that's not going on uh, it, right because when people do that they're taking each other for granted they're not having date night anymore they're not talking as much as they are and so they may be discovering themselves in their individual paths at their jobs or maybe in their uh, hobbies or in areas of their life where they're finding individual fulfillment but on a personal level they're no, it's no longer sharing of individuals discovery and growth there's no longer exploration of marital growth and the marriage itself think of it in our country in our world actually but in our country we corporations are considered separate identities from individuals marriage has a separate identity from the two individuals who engage in it but as they stop feeding that marriage and they stop relating to each other in the marriage and through it a disconnect happens self-knowledge becomes less, knowledge of the other becomes less. And with that, caring becomes less because they're developing and growing individually and they're actually changing individually. And because they're not communicating and that knowledge and awareness isn't growing, those changes aren't being communicated. And one day you wake up and you look next to you and you go, who the hell is that? That is not the man I married. The man I married was loving and caring, and that dude, all he cares about is playing golf and making money and hanging out with his friends. Like, he doesn't, he's not ringing my bell anymore. What, what happened here? And that's when people start questioning whether that, that was, whether the person they fell in love with was even the person, whether they deluded themselves. They question their own judgment. They question the reality of where their starting point. Now the starting point was real and valid. What happened is the two people changed and grew on individual paths without 
any shared intimacy, without any shared knowledge, and the intimacy dropped and dropped. So I get a lot of clients who come to me with this who say, I want more intimacy in my marriage. And actually, another thing that impacts this is where we come from. Our, this goes to resilience, uh, this unique quality issue. I get clients who come to me and say, um, I want a certain level of intimacy in my marriage. And the other person is very content leading the parallel lives because that's what their parents did. And that's what their sisters did. And that's what their brothers did. And that's what their uncles did and their grandparents. That's just the way they, they lived. And so there's, a dis, a, a, there's something disjointed happening there. And they can both love each other intensely and have this going on. Self-knowledge. Beat that to death. Uh, let's talk about, and we talked a little bit about honesty and self-honesty has to do with that self-knowledge. We talked about that and being honest with one another. Uh, when we're not having that communication, when we're on those individual paths, there's no honesty with one another happening. There's no one saying, hey, you know what? You remember when, you remember when we used to just do everything we could for each other and just love each other so much and da, 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 da. nobody's having that conversation. They're being satisfied with their individual growth because they're experiencing joy in their individual growth. They've given up temporarily or taken for granted the marital growth or maybe because they've stopped being in love, they've given up on anything that could be similar to that or like that. I'm listening to a child sing in my house. It's kind of cool. All right, enough with the child singing in my house. You were gonna to listen to that as I speak. All right, self-knowledge, honesty. Uh, trust diminishes under these circumstances, right? How can you trust someone if you don't really know them? You say that you trust them because you were in love. You say that you trust them because you were married, but the trust diminishes. And in the resilience sphere, if there is low trust, it's very hard to build resilience in our children, so let's flip from intimacy to resilience. So uh, the, often I work with individuals who are in the divorce process or recently divorced who want to build their children up because they see that their children are floundering from the trauma of divorce. And let's get it, divorce is seriously traumatic for children. And that first year when the divorce is over is equally traumatic for the children, which we don't get. That we're like we get divorced, we think, oh, it's over. At last we can recover. But for the children, the final, the Final, finalness of that divorce is like a major blow to them. And that year processing it afterwards is a very important time to be in their corner. And so there you are, you're an individual parent and you're desperate to build that relationship with your children and the trust just isn't there. What do you do? And so the first thing is you need to sit down with those kids and never speak badly of the other parent. If you speak badly of the other parent, you break trust with the children. Never talk badly of the other, always speak to the other parent's strengths. If, if they're a raging narcissist, you still speak to their strengths. If they are a terrorist, you speak to their strengths. That doesn't mean you gloss over the risks of the other parent. You, know, you may say to the child, you may teach the child lessons or values around people like that without actually referencing the parent. So the trick is to warn them of the dangers of the other parent without actually putting those dangers to the other parent. Anything that criticizes the other parent directly criticizes how the child feels on the inside and that destroys resilience. You cannot build resilience in your children and talk stuff about the other parent. It will not work. 
you can teach lessons about what you see as, as the dangers that the other parent may present, but never in direct association with it. Are you getting this? So you can teach your children that a person who thinks only on themselves is a hard person to trust and they should be careful around people like that. You can teach them that someone who tries to convince you that the world is totally different than you see it, even though your gut tells you the world is a certain way, is a dangerous thing and what to do, that's called gaslighting by the way, what to do and so you can teach them how to manage all the qualities of a narcissist without ever accusing the other parent of being a narcissist or whatever your other parent's issues may be. Your job is to prepare your children for when they, grow up in life and become adults to manage people like this as they come across them. They will not apply those lessons to the other parent, but they will take those lessons to heart and apply them as they grow up. But if you're stuff talking, I'm working on my language here, if you're stuff talking about the other parent, that's not gonna happen. Trust, self-knowledge, I'm running through the list here. Some other barriers to building intimacy and resilience irregularity intimacy and resilience both thrive on regularity not that you have to be like clockwork soldiers but there are habits that build intimacy in a marriage and if like date night or breakfast together or uh, walking the dogs together or anything you can think of that you might do regularly together that time together creates a window for intimacy to happen um, if you don't have regularity of things happening together, and I'm not talking about watching television together or watching screen time together, though that might be part of it. That's on its own, that's not gonna do it. Having time to talk about what you watch together is gonna make that better. Similarly with children, if things are not regular, if things are not consistent, there's very little room for building resilience. Very little room. Consistency and habits, super, super important. All right, so those are the barriers to intimacy and resilience, and I've given you some clues as to what can build intimacy and resilience in the discussion. This is an ongoing exploration of resilience and an ongoing exploration of intimacy. I'm, I'm personally fascinated by the relationship between the two and how vital they are. Um, a resilient marriage is built on intimacy. Resiliency in children and individuals is built on um, having intimate relations with their, uh, by their parent or having parents who are having intimate relations because there's a sense of safety and trust that happens in that field. Or if the parents are divorced on having an intimate relationship with one of their parents who's building that nest, that safety, that space where the no failure does not happen. Uh, I'm getting a reminder that I need to go do a podcast interview. So with that, I'm gonna say thank you for showing up for another episode of Rich in Relationship. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a great, great day or evening, depending on when you're viewing or watching this or listening to it.